Uh, when's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? Could it be, I don't know, never? Maybe when you signed the paperwork initially when you bought your home? Now, this is happening to tons of people across the country. One a homeowner was getting ready for a home remodel when everything got uh, shut down. She discovered her property wasn't even in her name anymore. Not at all. Turns out she was a victim of home title theft. A criminal had forged the deed to her home and taken over as the new owner. Now she's having to fight to get her home back. Your home, your property, your equity are your most valuable assets, and Home Title Lock helps you protect them. Home Title Lock puts a shield around your home's title. The instant they detect activity or tampering, they help shut it down fast. First things first, you need to verify you aren't already a victim of home title theft. Just sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code BECK. It's HomeTitleLock.com. The promo code is BECK. You'll get 30 risk-free days of protection and protect yourself going forward. At HomeTitleLock.com, the promo code is BECK. Here is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, you sick, twisted freak. Welcome to the uh, program. Uh, we have uh, quite an hour f- coming up for you. There's a few legal issues uh, that are kind of out there that maybe we should. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in the Hunter Biden thing. Uh, we, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and also the Donald Trump uh, litigation that he's going through. I, I I don't understand. There's people I respect on both sides that are telling me the opposite thing. So I wanted to get them both on. And we'll get one side and then get the other. Uh, the first one is uh, Michael Bakesh. And he is a Judicial Watch senior attorney. attorney. And he says, what's happening with Donald Trump? It, it, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna win. This this is really not that tough. Talking to Alan Dershowitz, he says the opposite, and Alan's been fighting for Donald Trump and you know all this legal overreach for years. But he says this one he thinks he's in trouble with. So we're gonna talk to both of them and get a feel on that, and also get any of their thoughts on. Wow, this amazing story on uh, Hunter Biden. We go there in 60 seconds. Now, let me talk to you first about Goldline. The Fed wants you to believe that inflation is under control. I assure you, it is not. We are speeding along a bridge at about 150 miles an hour, and they're about to hit hyperdrive. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's there's no end to that bridge. It's been blown to kingdom come. So when they say inflation is cooling... Mm, I think that sounds like inflation is transitory and they were wrong then. They're wrong now. Goldline is here to help put your mind at ease and protect any money that you do have with hard assets that can't be artificially printed and inflated into oblivion. Goldline has a special this week that is really crazy. With every tube or box of 20 of the historic $5 gold, Liberty, or Indian coins that you purchase, you're going to receive both 100 Mind Your Business silver bars 
and 100 copper maper, uh, uh, Mayflower rounds at no additional cost. Call Goldline today. This is These are the people I have trusted for years to buy gold. If you've already bought gold, you might want to consider maybe a little bit more, protect your assets a little bit more, or maybe buy some silver as well. Call 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Do your own homework with goldline.com. Michael Bakesh is on with us, Judicial Watch senior attorney. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. Okay, so we have, first of all, can we just get your opinion on the Hunter Biden thing, if you have one? Uh, I mean, really? Four years investigation? I got to believe if they were misdemeanors, wouldn't somebody at the IRS say, guys, there's nothing here. You're not going to get him on anything but a misdemeanor and it'll cost us millions of dollars and it's just not worth it. You know, now that the investigation's over, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, records judicial watch is going to be able to turn up because you're right. After four years, this is, this is all they can do. What, what have they been doing all this time? Right. Why would you spend all of this money and all of this time if they're misdemeanors? It doesn't make sense besides the fact that there are different rules for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the the case with the U.S. District Attorney in Delaware, is it closed or it seems like it's still open? Uh, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. I believe <laughs> it's still open, but what does that it may mean? not be. <laughs> OK. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, uh, Trump's case. Um, Alan Dershowitz is coming on in a minute and he's saying that he thinks he's in trouble on this one. You say you're saying the the opposite. So w- explain the case that they have a, against Donald Trump and where you think the bright spots are. Yeah, so basically the prosecution of Donald Trump with re, with respect to the documents all started because the National Archives, somebody at the National Archives thought that maybe President Trump had some records that Maybe he shouldn't have taken with him when he left office. That's how this started. And in the Wall Street Journal, I wrote a piece talking about a similar case that Judish Watch had against the archives when it came to President Clinton and his records. While he was in office, President Clinton created these audio recordings. And on these audio recordings had all sorts of information. You know, they had conversations with foreign leaders. It had discussions about um, cruise missile attacks to get Osama bin Laden. Uh, It had information that would be classified had it gone through proper channels. But instead, President Clinton kept these tapes in his sock drawer and decided to take them with him when he left office. And did he declassify them before he took them? He didn't do anything. According to what we know, he simply took them with him. And Judicial Watch wanted the tapes when we found out about them. We figured, you know, these are presidential records. These are tapes showing President Clinton being president. So we sued the National Archives for the tapes. And in that case, between 2010 and 2012, the Justice Department, the Obama Justice Department, took the position that whatever President Clinton took with him 
were not presidential records. They were personal records, and there's nothing that they could do to get them back. In 2012, the district court here in, the, in, in D.C. agreed with the government, and the judge in that case, and she said, the sole, it is the sole responsibility of the president to decide what records are personal, what records are presidential, and once they are taken out of the White House, there's nothing that the court could do to get them back. Now, is that because I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Is that because these were tapes that he made and not top secret documents, even though they may have contained top secret information, but he made the tapes? You know, it doesn't Glenn, it doesn't really make a difference because. Okay. It not only it wasn't as though President Clinton was, you know, pressing record and going out and buying the tapes, you know, based on he was doing this along with a historian and based on the historians discussions about it, uh, what he's told the public, um, the White House operations staff helped schedule the interviews, helped prepare the tapes, probably went out and purchased the tapes. Um, and so the only thing that President Clinton did was place the tapes at the end of the session into his sock drawer. And that's very similar to what President documents. Um, If you look at the indictment, paragraph two says, while he was present, Trump placed documents in boxes. Paragraph four says, when President Trump left office, he took those boxes with him. To me, it's not a sock drawer, but it was boxes. It was the same process. President Trump decided what he wanted to keep, what he wanted to leave, and he took what he wanted to keep with him when he left office. Okay, so help me out on this. Again, I just I want to ask you tough questions because I really don't know legally where this is is headed and except all the way around trouble. Um, Trump's defense is that his actions were protected under the Presidential Records Act, but That act excludes, and I'm quoting, any documentary materials that are official records of an agency. So the indictment alleges that he had the information about our nuclear program, defense, weapons capabilities, potential vulnerabilities of the U.S. and our allies. Is it is it your uh, view that these kinds of documents are protected under the PRA because of the Bill Clinton or is there more? There's more. Um, The fact that the Presidential Records Act talks about agency records is really is really a red herring, because as the courts, the D.C. appellate court um, here found that really the focus is, are the records received by the president? Once the president receives a record from the agency, it's no longer just an agency record. It's now a record received by the president. So it has a different status. I mean, just imagine it doesn't make sense that once the president, the president gets a record from the agency, is it like a library book and he has to return it within 21 days? Absolutely not. It's it's his record. And under the law, he can do what he wants. Right. With and it. there there are exceptions. Uh, no, no, no. The, 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 it is treated that way with things like the nuclear code. He has access to that. 
but it's in a football held by a member of the Department of Defense that's with him all the time. So there are some records that do have to be signed in and signed out, right? Well, maybe. I mean, the question is, what what is constitute what is allowed by the constitution and these are questions that really have never been addressed the president of the united states is commander-in-chief everything in the executive branch flows from him so there is one question on you know what limitations can congress place on the commander-in-chief but also there's a question of whether or not congress can mandate and require another branch of government to do something and so there are strong arguments that if the Presidential Records Act is what um, some folks say it is, then that would be unconstitutional because it's placing burdens on the office of the president that's not allowed. Um, the other question under the Espionage Act is authorization. While, while someone's in, someone is in office, while President Trump was in office, he was authorized to maintain that information, to maintain those documents. If, if you went into the Oval Office, he could show you that document because he had absolute authorization to do what he wanted with it. So the question is, did he authorize himself by, to take those records with him when he left? But it, it, a, hang, on, hang on just a second, because he does have the ability to declassify, but even according to his own words in the indictment, there's a transcript of a conversation um, where he holds up a classified document to somebody. And he says, somebody writing a book about him. See, as president, I could have declassified this. Well, now I can't, you know, but so this is still a secret. So he knew that he possessed something secret. He knew that he hadn't chosen to declassify it as president. And now he's showing it to a member of the press not as president. Right. And, and the question there, and I think it's facts that, again, indictments are just one side of every fact. And okay. I, I don't know the facts. You don't know the facts. The American public don't know the facts. But the question is, how whatever document he had in his hand, how did he get into his hand? And I think we need what we need to do and what the public needs to wait is to wait until all the facts come out to see whether or not he was in fact authorized to still have that record. And maybe the facts will show that he wasn't, you know, I keep thinking if president Trump, after he had left office, somehow got access to records, he didn't have access to when he was present, that would be a problem where a problem may lie. Right. But if the records were in his possession while he was office, and he took an affirmative steps to maintain those records when he left. There are real constitutional legal questions about whether or not that was authorized. Okay, let me give you a statement from um, Bill Barr. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just playing devil's advocate because I, I want to hit both sides. I'm going to hit Alan with the same thing. Um, both sides hard because I want to see. I want to ask the questions that people are not asking, but I think the American <laughs> people are asking. Um, there's a statement from one of not my favorite people in the world, uh, um, a former Attorney General uh, Bill Barr. I want to give you a chance to respond to it. He said, quote, I think the counts under the Espionage Act that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. 
They gave him every opportunity to return those documents. They acted with restraint. They acted very deferential to him, and they were very patient. They talked to him for almost a year to try to get those documents, and he jerked them around. He finally, it, they finally went to a subpoena, and what did he do? According to the government, he lied and obstructed that subpoena. And when they did a search, they found a lot more documents. They're official records. They're not his personal records. Battle plans for an attack on another country. Defense Department documents about our capabilities. In no universe, Donald J. Trump's uh, uh, do these belong or are personal documents of Donald J. Trump? There's a lot there. Um, to begin with the end part, the Justice, the Obama Justice Department would, would disagree. <laughs> so with the federal court that, fa- that concluded that once a president leaves office, it is assumed that the president chose to take those records, had designated them as personal, and that there was nothing that could be done about it. And so just because uh, former Attorney General Barr doesn't think those records should have been taken doesn't mean that lawfully they couldn't have been taken. The The other interesting part is Attorney General Barr seems to focus a lot on the fact that President Trump may have not all the records that he had been asked mm-hmm. to turn over. Well, under the Espionage Act, that's irrelevant. So even if he had returned those records, if the espionage is what everybody thinks it is, yeah. then President Trump sh- could have still been charged under the Espionage Act. Okay. And so this, so this idea that it's somehow different because he still had the records really is just showing an emphasis that He's displeased or unhappy with President Trump's actions and has nothing to do with what the law actually is. We're talking to uh, Michael Bakesh, and he has litigated over 100 public record cases in both state and federal courts on behalf of Judicial Watch. Michael, hang on for one minute. I want to come back and ask you a a final question. Um, First, let me tell you about Relief Factor. No matter how long you've been dealing with pain in your life, whether it's a day or 50 years, it's too long. Pain sucks the joy right out of life. It makes it really hard or sometimes unbearable just to be able to do your everyday basic tasks. This shouldn't be. And I've always been somebody who's like better living through pharmaceuticals. I'm not that guy anymore. I've learned my lesson on that one, Uh, especially when it comes to pain. This stuff destroys you. It destroys your ability to think everything. So how do you get along when you have pain? Well, reduce the inflammation. Well, ibuprofen has never worked, and I've been on the hard stuff. Yeah, I've taken two ibuprofen 800s. I know, against the doctor's wishes, but I did it. I just went ahead and I just did it. Nothing happens. I tried the three-week quick start, 1995. It's a trial pack, not a drug, developed by doctors. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. About 70% of them go on to order more. I order more every single month because it works for me. Relieffactor.com. Call 800, the number 4 relief. 800 4 relief. Relieffactor.com. 1995 three week quick start. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. So I am glad that. Uh, President Trump is living in Florida or anywhere out of New York or uh, the Washington, D.C. area, because I think you can actually get possibly a fair trial. Uh, Tell me about the judge. And uh, is it going to make a difference that it's not in D.C.? 
You know, it probably will make a difference. It's not in D.C. because once you uh, get out of this bubble, um, people think more clearly and are a little bit more level headed. But I just keep thinking it probably doesn't matter entirely where the jury is, because these are complicated, confusing constitutional issues that a jury is going to need to deal with. And I think it can be very hard for a prosecutor to um, convince every single juror that President Trump had no authority as president um, to remove the documents and to keep the documents that he wanted to keep. I hate whataboutism, but with Hillary Clinton and what she did with documents, putting them online, um, cutting off confidential at the top of the record so they can be faxed to her. um, Crazy, crazy, inappropriate stuff that she wasn't president. She didn't have the the she didn't have the right to even do that. Um, And even Joe Biden, he had boxes that I think it said took him two days to go through and his attorneys to pack them up and get them out. Um, What's the difference between those two and Donald Trump? I think the fact he's Donald Trump. People seem to dislike him and want to treat the laws, treat him differently under the law. I mean, there's no excuse for what Hillary Clinton did. You know, I litigated for numerous years FOIA lawsuits, you know, against the State Department trying to get access to all of her emails. We took depositions. We had discovery into not only her close personal confidence, but State Department employees and In the end, we know that her attorneys went through and deleted emails that they did not want to return. And the State Department and the Justice Department said that was okay. Okay, I have have 45 seconds. I don't know if you can answer this, but it's got to be a short answer. Um, When you look at uh, this case, and I just lost it. So I'm sorry. I was just focused so much on the 45 seconds that I just lost the question. But it was a good question mind you so maybe i may have to have you back uh and uh, answer that um hang on michael thank you so much for everything you're doing good luck uh keep pressing everything you guys are doing at judicial watch is so important you want to help them you can go to judicialwatch.org that's judicialwatch.org thank you michael bakesh the glenn back program All right, let me take your pet experience to the next level. You love your dog, right? Honestly, I got home last night. Uno was back. And Uno is just, hes we were on vacation for two weeks, and he was at some spa. I mean, I don't even know. I I always say, I got pictures every day of my dog playing with these girls. And he's looking at me like, I was in paradise, dude. What are you, I'm back here, really? I'm like, you want to eat, dude? You want to eat? Because I got the food. And uh, so he'll be my friend again. But anyway, Rough Greens is what we put on his food. It helps him live a longer and healthier life. Brown food is dead food. You want the greens. You got to have your greens. So get Rough Greens. Vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants. You name it. If it's healthy for your dog, it's probably in Rough Greens. And they want to give you a free trial bag absolutely free you just pay for shipping so you see if your dog likes it as much as uno does i had a hard time getting him to eat he wolfs it down now roughgreens.com slash beck roughgreens r-u-f-f greens.com slash beck or call 833 glenn 33
Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Alan Dershowitz coming up next. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. So when when Trump was indicted last week, uh, I was on vacation and I was not paying attention to the news. And I mentioned it on Monday when I came back. But I told you I, I wanted to really get the best minds on both sides um, and talk to them. And because there's there's people who like <laughs> have defended Trump. And may like Trump, but one of those who I think is very credible on this because he has defended Trump time and time and time and time again, written books about it, um, now says this is real trouble. And his, his name is Alan Dershowitz. Uh, so I just had this is no big deal. We can win this. Uh, and he says there's real trouble. So let's get the real trouble side uh, now from Alan Dershowitz. Hi, Alan. How are you? Hey, how are you? Uh, there's real trouble, but that doesn't mean that it can't be won. This is a very, very serious charge. You know, in my book, Get Trump, I predicted all of this. I also predicted the indictment of Hunter Biden on minimal charges in order to demonstrate the, the claim that there's equal justice. But the problem with Donald Trump is illustrated by that plaque that some people have in their homes with a stuffed fish on it that says, if I'd only kept my mouth shut, I'd still be swimming. Mm. All of Trump's problems come from his own statements. What he said, the most serious one, is what he said to a writer who was writing a book on Meadows in which he allegedly showed him some classified material. He says it wasn't. He said it's just newspapers. You hear right. on the tape apparently rustling, and I don't know what the facts are. But And saying, I could have declassified this, but I didn't, so it's still secret. That seems like the government will use it as an admission that he didn't declassify everything. If he hadn't said that, his claim of declassification would be very strong. Then he spoke to his lawyers. Now, I don't think those statements should ever be admissible. Those are lawyer-client privilege statements. Thank if you. I were his lawyer, I would be fighting like hell to keep those out because uh, I can't talk to my clients anymore as a result of that ruling. So, I so, so wait, wait. Clients, so you know, wait, I, I watched enough Perry Mason, and I know that's not actual law, but if you break the bond of uh, attorney-client privilege— you sometimes you're working with a dummy like me and I'm like, I don't know what happens if we don't give him to them. Well, yeah, I'm asking well, for your you legal say, opinion. What if you tell it to a priest? What if you say to a priest, um, you know, uh, I, I know this would be a sin, but I, I'm thinking perhaps maybe of not giving it over. And the priest says, no, you must give it over. Uh, or you talk to your doctor. Um, all these privileges are now at risk as a result of this terrible decision made by judges who were handpicked by the special prosecutor. Remember the cases in Florida, but this special prosecutor brought these legal motions to compel the lawyers to speak in D.C. where he knew he'd get a more favorable court. So he was judge shopping, and then he got his favorable rulings, and then he takes the case <clears throat> to Florida. Wow. And I would hope the Florida court 
would look at that in a very, very critical light. Because as I say, I have to tell my clients now, don't ask me any questions because I may have to disclose them. I'm not taking notes anymore with clients. I'm not turning over anything that my my wow. clients tell me in confidence just because some court says, you know, and then there's this absurd thing of a taint team where if you say something's lawyer-client privilege, the government says, all right, we'll pick some government lawyers who have lunch every day with the prosecutors and who stand next to them in the urinal every day, and we will allow them to look at the lawyer-client privilege material, read them, and, oh, they promise they won't, with a oh wink and not say anything to the prosecution. That's what's happening now. And Judge Cannon had the courage to write a decision saying, no, she was going to appoint an independent judge, a former judge, a great judge in New York to look over the lawyer-client classified materials. And the court said, no, 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 that's special treatment for Trump. No, that's what everybody should get. So the crime, uh, the crime fraud exception to uh, attorney client privilege, you don't buy into that here? I buy into it in general, but I have to tell you, I've done 250 cases involving criminal defendants. I would say in half of them, the conversation included some reference to maybe if I went to Brazil, I couldn't get caught. No, you can't do that. You'll get caught. But, you know, the client raises all kinds of questions. That's what that's why it's confidential. Correct. It's the same as the anything they want. It's, yeah. Isn't it the same reason why we have the presidential uh, confidentiality when when you're talking to the president in the Oval and you're brainstorming? People don't want to say things that maybe are unpopular or will say things that are maybe crazy in in hindsight, but you're brainstorming. I don't want that on the record. I want to be able to have a private conversation. If you can't have that, you don't really have anything. No, I agree with you. Look, when I taught at Harvard for 50 years, I would say to my students, what you say in this class is confidential and you can be as speculative as you want. Uh, you can say any wild thing about criminal law. You can make statements that you would be ashamed to have made public. This is for a Socratic discussion. And in Socratic discussions, anything goes. The indictment doesn't ever mention the Presidential Records Act. Um, or, or the word espionage. Or the word espionage. You know, that's being thrown around all over the place. Yeah. So so so. So where is, I mean, because I have gathered uh, from what I've read from you that this serious charge and he's going to have a hard time. Why? It, it sounds like there's a lot of other legal issues to really go after. There are. And that's why it's not a slam dunk case. That's why the case should never have been brought. I said that you don't bring a case against the man. Forget about former president. You don't bring a case against the man who's running to become the president against the incumbent head of your party unless you have a slam dunk case. Now, I think they have a case, but it's not a slam dunk case. There are these legal issues involving lawyer client privilege. The government doesn't have the piece of paper that was waived allegedly in front of this writer. So they have a hard time proving that they have to deal with the classification issue. It's a winnable case, but it's also a losable case. Whereas the case in New York is absurd. Case in New York, the, the prosecutor should be disciplined for bringing it. In, in, in 60 years of this, doing this business, I've never seen a weaker indictment than New York. I cannot say that about the Florida case. That doesn't mean it's going to end up with Trump being convicted, particularly since the trial <clears throat> is in a fair district, unlike Manhattan. Okay. I love Manhattan. I live in Manhattan, but you can't get a fair trial for Donald Trump in Manhattan. 
Maybe you can in Palm Beach County. Okay, so so let me let me take you through the crazy scenario that uh, he goes to trial in the middle of an election season. He's convicted, sentenced. What does this look like? We've never we didn't do this with Nixon. We've never done this before. What, what does never, this look like? We hope we'll never do it again. Nobody knows what it looks like. The only thing we know for sure is he can run for president, even if he's in prison. Um, Eugene V. Debs ran yep. for president when he was in prison. Yep. Curley became mayor of Boston while he was in prison. The Constitution specifies only several criteria, and the Constitution means what it says. So you can run. Um, you can even serve as president while in prison. That's not going to happen. Judge is not going to sentence him to prison. So these crimes, uh, these crimes did not endanger national security. They are not espionage. The media is throwing around the term espionage. The first thing that has to happen is this trial must be on television. We, the American people, do not trust the media to tell us the truth about the trial. Mm -hmm. If you watch MSNBC and CNN and read the New York Times, you're going to think it's an open and shut case of guilt. And if you see... Other networks, you're going to see it's an open and shut case of innocence. You know, I was a lawyer in the O.J. Simpson case. There was a poll that showed that people who actually watched the trial on television were not surprised at the verdict. But people who read about it in the newspapers were shocked beyond belief. So we have to be able to see this trial. And the word espionage should not be allowed to be used in the trial by the prosecutor. Uh, and if he does use it, there should be a mistrial with prejudice. Why so, is this? Why is espionage? Where did they even get that? It's the name of the statute. It's as if Congress passed the statute entitled the Child Molestation and Insider Trading Act. And they indict somebody for insider trading and they go in front of the jury and say, this man has been indicted under the Child Molestation and Insider Trading Act. Wow. It's the name of the statute. It was passed in 1917 to go after war resistors, mostly religious people who had a conscientious objection about going to the First World War, and Woodrow Wilson passed the Espionage Act, which had very little to do with espionage. It had mostly to do with dissent and whistleblowing. And all of the whistleblowers uh, have been indicted under the Espionage Act. I've defended many anti-war protesters and other dissenters under the Espionage Act. And the government loves to use the word espionage. But there's no allegation here that Alan and uh, went to foreign enemies real yeah. quick. I've, I've only got about two minutes. Uh, we're talking to Alan yeah. Dershowitz, host of the Dersh show. It's a podcast. It's great. Also the author of get Trump. Um, uh, tell me your thoughts on, uh, on Hunter Biden and what, what's well, just happened. It, what's happened is we don't know uh, if he just did the three things he was indicted for. Then it's a fair plea bargain. Most people who are late in their taxes don't even get indicted. I do think that, uh, filing a gun license application if you're a, a cocaine addict and not disclosing that is actually a more serious crime. But that's a fair result. But what about what he wasn't indicted for? What about the investigations that are going on about Burisma, about those alleged 17 tape recordings, including two with the president? What about uh, the uh, uh, other information that we have, the lap talk? Uh, top. We don't have anything about that. And therefore, I think there's a special obligation on this prosecutor to issue a report. He has to issue a report to Garland, but then Garland should make it public. So we should know whether there was an adequate investigation from what he was charged with. The sentencing seems correct. But if there was information that we don't know about that would incriminate on these other things. Why why would this uh, thing take four 
years, four years. I can't imagine the resources that they spent for misdemeanors. Well, the only explanation is that they did look into Barisma, They did look into the laptop. And they found they nothing. Into, and they found nothing. But I want to know that. I want to see yeah. that with my own eyes. I don't want to read that in the New York Times or MSNBC or CNN. I don't believe them. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to hear that tape with my own ears. And I want to see the trial of Donald Trump on television. So I can make a judgment and you can make a judgment for ourselves. We will believe our eyes, not what we read in the paper. I will tell you that you are a great example of that just now. I had a different opinion of what you had said on Donald Trump than I do walking away. Of course. Yeah. My wife said the same thing. My wife came to me and said, oh, my God, did you see what they say you said about Donald Trump? I said, that's the headline. Read the read the article. Read the actual quotes. And she reads the actual quotes and says, oh, my God, he didn't say anything like that. Unbelievable. But CNN did that to me. They doctored a tape of what I said on the floor of the Senate and made me say which I didn't say, that a president could commit murder and not be impeached. They just doctored a tape, and the Times believed it, and other newspapers believed it. Now there's a lawsuit. So you've got to see it with your own eyes, more today than ever before. Alan Dershowitz, thank you very much, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Always great to have you on. Uh, Our sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. Is that what you thought his opinion was? No, no. I think you you, you nailed it. It's, it's been the summaries have not been accurate. It's like, wait, what? Hang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what he just said seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. Um, the day you walk out and you, you you to your car and you realize that uh, some helpful fellow uh, walking through the neighborhood is, you know, sure he had to break glass, but it was an emergency and uh, he stole everything in your car. Hopefully that's the day you learn never leave your car, uh, you know, in a bad neighborhood or important stuff in there. Now, if this happens to you and there is no car, it's a digital car and they're stealing all of the same stuff, even worse, your personal identity. It's too late. You have to learn this lesson before it happens to you. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft affect our lives. It's equally important to realize that there are measures that you can take uh, take to help keep it from happening. And this is where LifeLock by Norton uh, is so important and uh, saves you so much money and hassle. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or, you know, monitor all transactions at all businesses. But um, I believe LifeLock by Norton is the best way to protect what's yours. Join now, save 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. Promo code BECK. Save, again, 25% off your first year. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. If you go to the website or on the phone, make sure you use the promo code BECK to save that 25% off. Lifelock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Promo code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, I, I always say, don't believe your eyes and ears, and here I did. Uh, I believed the media take on what Alan Dershowitz said. Well, you're an incredibly flawed person, and that's part of the reason why that happened. Um, I, of course, knew exactly what he said and was not surprised by any of it. Um, Have you ever 
uh, heard the phrase, I'm cutting your salary. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. Uh, but uh, it's surprising in this particular job. It really is. Uh, I, I will say, listening to Alan Dershowitz, I mean, he, you know, he's very good at laying this stuff out. He's obviously a very successful lawyer. I, I, have you ever done, though, a, a long-form podcast episode with him? No, I, I, but I, I should. That would be fascinating because yeah. not only is he's he... He's been there for uh, so many important... So many things. I mean, yeah, just honestly, so you could do, I could listen to an hour of him just talking about the OJ, of the OJ thing yeah, or, or his defense. I mean, we had him on when, you know, he was being accused by one of the Epstein accusers yeah. of really terrible things. And we brought him on. We said, hey, we're going to ask you the tough questions. He laid out his defense. We're like, all right, well, I don't know if he's telling the truth, <laughs> but, 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 you know, we, we, we listened to him. And she she and dropped it. She case. dropped it. She and dropped she said, ah, I don't know if it was him. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has yeah, can I ask gone you this? so much of this stuff. It would be a fascinating Here's interview. the one question I want to ask him. Alan, you're in your 80s. If, if I were, if the government was coming after me, my first call would be to Alan Dershowitz. Hmm. You're in your 80s, dude. Did you raise up anybody? Who do you trust? Hmm. Who would you call? Is there anybody? I hope there is. I hope so, too. But how frightening is that? That name the attorney. Name the attorney that you would really trust to really just fight all out and knows their business like Alan Dershowitz. I don't know anybody. Question is, does he? The Glenn Beck Program.